And let's just pray together as we enter into a study in God's word this morning. Lord Jesus, we, we are really overwhelmed. Again, as you have uh, just uh, showed us another place in which your heart beats deeply and where your children are active. And yet you so deeply love these people just like you love every person in the city of surprise, Lord, and in the United States. Lord, even this morning, our hearts go out to the, the city of El Paso, Texas. The tragedy that took place there. Lord, in so many ways, it's, it's just senseless. It's so hard to understand what would ever cause someone to go to the extremities that they do, and yet we know they need Jesus. Because without you, Lord, where do we go? And also, Lord, we want to pray for the people of Dayton, Ohio. In both of these cities, the families, the friends, the, the community itself, Lord, that has been touched through tragedy. Uh, we pray that some way that the Holy Spirit would just work among them and somewhere someone will see you. Oh, Lord, we need peace in our hearts. And there will never, never be any peace without the Prince of Peace coming and reigning in our hearts. Lord Jesus, we pray that you will come and enter even within this nation in which we call the United States of America as you are still reaching to places like Papua New Guinea. May your will be done, Father. I pray that in this time we're before you uh, in sharing the word of God that the word of the Lord will have free course and bless in our lives in our hearts, and that something will speak to us, Lord, that will cause us to recognize just how great and magnificent you are, and what a privilege it is to be the child of a king. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, good morning to you. We are in the beginning of... First John. We're, we, today we're looking in the book of First John, and we're just going to make a quick overview of this book, just to get a very early look into this blessed book that was written somewhere between AD 90 and AD 95 from the area of the region of Ephesus, is where, uh, where John was a pastor in teaching. But he wrote this book to Gentiles largely. And Gentiles were basically those that are not Jews. And so it went out to a very broad base of people. And here John was writing and dealing with that which was so common in the middle of growing churches. And that was various kinds of idolatry, various kinds of spiritual darkness and trials, and John was beginning to pin this beautiful writing um, that they would be begin, begin to see how sufficient the Lord was. And we're going to just take four verses today and look at these first four verses as we enter into this book. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked on 
and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. And the life was manifested and we have seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. In the area of where these believers were existing, there was a biblic, a teaching that was rising that was mixing spiritual with natural. It was called Gnosticism. It was a blending of spiritual truth with also a belief that there is nothing in the natural that's of God. It is evil. And the believers were finding themselves trying to sift through this type of teaching, and I'm sure many other kinds of tree teaching like this. But in Gnosticism, they were denying the incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And John is writing to encourage these dear believers in their walk with the Lord Jesus, and he will address several major themes in the book. But one of the great themes of the book that John is going to address is the theme of just simply knowing you have salvation. He will come at it different ways, knowing that you have salvation in Jesus Christ. And this will come in many ways. He'll also begin to write, and we'll see this even this morning, about relationships, both horizontal relationships with God's children, but also he will begin writing about relationships with the high God, the, the, the vertical relationship, the connection with God, and John will address this. Another area, John, and we're going to see this this morning, is going to touch is the area of fellowship with God a inner fellowship, a konania fellowship, an intimate fellowship that can never be fabricated. We can't create it. But when the Holy Spirit and us come together in Christ, an amazing thing takes place. And another area we will see throughout the book, and it comes out of many of the teachings we've already addressed here, is we're going to see love expressed, stretched, challenged, reached for. We'll see love defined in many, many ways as we look into this book that John is addressing here. John was the, the apostle that many called the beloved apostle. He was the one who was lying on Jesus' bosom in the upper room the night in which Jesus said, even one of you are going to betray me. It was John, even in his own writings, and he wrote uh, the Gospel of John. We're looking in the Epistle of John, beginning here in 1 John and 2 John and 3 John. He also book, wrote the book of Revelation. Sometimes you'll hear references like John the Revelator, referencing the fact that it was this same John who writes this that eventually, just a few years later, would be exiled to the Isle of Patmos. And there on that island, he would begin to write what the Holy Spirit was giving him, which there was a book of Revelation. Another part of John that is so precious that we find in the Word of God is it was John who, even though he would have been among the, the 12 that would have forsaken the Lord and ran, he was the one that later at the cross when Jesus was giving his life, 
He was very close to Jesus' mother. And the Lord Jesus turned to John and Jesus' mother, and he said, Woman, speaking to Mary, behold your son. And he turned to John and he said, Son, behold your mother. And Jesus had such an intimate relationship with this person that he trusted him to take this dear woman and care for her as he was going back into heaven. And the word of God says, from that time on, that disciple went and dwelt, took her into his own home. John was also not just, he was known to be a very meek man, but he also was known to be quite, there, there was an, there's another reference to John called the son of thunder. He was a man that was not afraid to stand for truth. As you read in the Gospels, you will see John articulating the picture of Jesus' ministry from a different angle. He'll just see it a little different than Luke or Matthew or Mark. He'll, he'll be the light in a way that you'll just say, wow. And there's a place some people say, if, if you read the book of John through seven times, it will bring you to Jesus. But I, I, I say, no, Jesus brings us to Jesus. The Holy Spirit brings us to Jesus. And yet it is a marvelous book, including this book, that, that brings us to Jesus. Another part of uh, John's life is that many people feel like John was the one apostle that never died a martyr's death. Uh, all the rest of them would have died. Peter would have been crucified upside down. They would have suffered in many ways. But John was the one who most people believe that John was literally thrown in boiling oil, but he escaped from the oil almost unscathed physically by God's grace. And he was allowed to go back into Ephesus and spend the last couple years with the church of Ephesus after they brought him from the Isle of Patmos where he wrote the book of Revelation. And it's just a little island of 17 square miles out in the Asian Sea. And there's so much we don't know, but we do know enough. And, and it was John who even wrote this, that these things are written that you might believe. And that's how the word of God is, even what Terry and Cindy have been sharing about the, just those little tiny, uh, those little tiny video Solar video things are, give the, the message of Jesus that you can believe, that you can take it, grab it, embrace it. He can be everything to you. And I believe around the year of AD 95 is when John went to the Isle of Patmos. The emperor at that time of Rome was an emperor named Dominion. Domitian banished him to Patmos. And that's where he wrote the book of Revelation that we have so much today that we're able to tie into as we look toward the end and realize we're not going to be here very long. Jesus is coming again. And there's so many pictures and windows in the book of Revelation that we get and as John begins this, and we were thinking about how he was writing to combat these, these doctrines that were floating, he started with this sure foundation of the Lord God from heaven. He doesn't mention Jesus till he goes a little further, but what he is doing is he is establishing the very premise of the rock of salvation on which we rest and which those believers would rest there. That which was from the beginning, we just read, that which we have heard, 
And John says, which we have seen. He was an eyewitness. He had walked with Jesus. We see through an eye of faith what we have looked at. And I'm sure John is saying, I saw the Lord, but so have you. Because if you are in Jesus Christ, you see the Lord too through the Spirit of God working powerfully and mightily in every way. And he says, which we have seen with our eyes, we have looked on, and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. Genesis 1.1, right in the very beginning of the Bible, a verse that most of us here know in some translation, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. John starts here, what was from the beginning which we have heard, this is God. What we have seen, this is God. That we have looked on, this is God. We have touched with our hands, this is God. And then he begins to bring something else into this beautiful equation, the word of life. He said it's just not about a being, it's about his living word that was a part of God. Jesus, the very name of Jesus has maybe over 50 different expressions that we can find in the Bible. There's many of them. The book of John will have many of them. The bread of life, the water of life. You'll just see, I'm the light of the world. It will just keep on coming. But here it is. John is speaking of this living Lord, and he's touching very quickly the word of God. He, we jump over to Revelation where, that John penned, verse chapter 1, verse 8. And there it was that John writes through the Spirit, I am the Alpha and Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. And John is affirming the eternal existence of God. You know, sometimes we look at eternity, you look backwards and you say, you know, God, I think I can see eternity out that way ahead. But even as a little guy, I would say, I'm not sure I understand where this all began. It seems like somewhere God was created. But this isn't what the Word of God says. The Word of God says God is eternal. God has existed in eternity past, and he exists in eternity in the future. And John is declaring this as he is writing. Hebrews 13 and 8, another one of those passages. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today, and forever. And as we look at this first verse again, John says, but our hands touched it. Our eyes saw it. Our ears heard it. And here he is speaking, we looked, we touched concerning the word of life. And he says, the life was manifested and we have seen and testify. And John is saying, we saw it, we touched it, he is more than just an image to be worshipped. He is more than just some other religion. He is a living God in which John was going to declare that dwells not only among us, but within us. And we will see this teaching throughout this, this epistle that God dwelling in us through Jesus Christ in the most amazing way. Isaiah chapter 41 and 4, another one of these blessed verses. Isaiah was so messianic in his writing. Who has performed and accomplished it? Calling forth the generations from the beginning. I the Lord am the first and with the last. I am he. 
Another parallel we have to this introduction we find in the first chapter of John, just the first few verses, chapter 1. And John again writes, and we're looking at this, what was from the beginning that we've heard, we have seen with our eyes, we have looked on, we have touched with our hands. He's telling these people, Jesus and the life of a Christian is very intimate, and we will find this. It is more than just observing. It is more than a casual connection with God. It is an inner connection of the human heart and soul with the Lord Jesus Christ. But John 1, verses 1 through 5, in the beginning was the Word. This is so beautifully parallel, but John carried this burden in this introduction too. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. And apart from him, nothing became into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. We jump down to verse 14 of chapter 1. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. Glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And John in the first verse, he says, We have looked, we have touched, our hands have handled concerning the word of life. And, and I think of it this morning, here is, my, here is my Bible, the word of life. But the word of life is, is living. It's not simply a textbook. It is that which is everything that was breathed by God, put together by God. And John is saying, our eyes touched it. Our, our hands handle this word of life. And I was thinking about this and I, when we looked up here at the picture of, the, of just the tender touch of those dear people as they were just being able to take those little solar Bibles and say, this is mine. And I'm sure Terry and Cindy and Levi, you've been blessed to watch people just get that. And they say, I'm the richest person in the world now. You know, the, the Lord has done amazing things because that is what the word of God is and what he does in and through us. And the life was manifested, we see in the second verse, the, the life of Jesus was declared. It wasn't, he wasn't simply put in a box. He wasn't left in a manger. He wasn't left in a tomb. He was, not, he was not left as some figure in, in Jerusalem. The word of God says the life of Jesus was manifested. It was declared. It went beyond every wall that any person would want to, to put up. And even today, we saw it on the screen. We've heard it living today. It is, being, it is even being manifest in Papua New Guinea today, just like it's being manifest other places. Jesus' life is going out. And this is what he's saying here. Jesus' life manifested. First Timothy 3.16, another beautiful verse speaking of the manifestation of the life of Jesus. By common confession, great is the mystery of godliness. Now, if you don't have the Spirit of God, this is a mystery. You can't quite get it until the Holy Spirit turns on the light. And he says, God, great is the mystery of godliness he who was revealed in the flesh was vindicated in the spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the Gentiles, believed on the world, on in the world, and taken up in the glory. And this is the manifestation of that light, that true light John will later speak of, that lights every man that comes into the world. 
And as he is beginning to break this open notice, he's going to go out and he's going to challenge the church in many ways. He's going to challenge false doctrine that was arising and trying to combat the belief of faith in Jesus Christ alone that was rising, just like it happens all over today. But notice where he is beginning. He is beginning on the foundation of God and his son, Jesus Christ, and his word, and that his word was alive and living. And this is where he begins, this tremendous uh, uh, treaty that the Holy Spirit was leading them into. The life was manifested, verse, verse 2, and we have seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. Now John begins to go deeper toward these dear believers as he goes farther. What we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also. And John is saying, we're not going to hold it in a box. We're not going to take this and just put it inside some little package and keep it for ourselves. We are declaring to you the very thing in which we've heard. And I believe this is one of the great calls of God's church. What we've seen, what we've heard, we declare to other people. In whatever way, God gives us the power to do that. And this is where Terry and Cindy were as they opened their hands to God. God took them to a place to declare his word. And John is saying, what we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also. And here is the reason, John says, we do this, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. That word fellowship is kononia. It is a partnership, a communion. It's beyond anything we participate in communion here. It's when the Holy Spirit does that in between people that just creates a miracle, really, in communication, in friendship, in relationship, in partnership is another word for kononia. As he works and fellowship flows through his work, John writes, I'm doing this that you would have kononia with us. And truly our fellowship Notice this, is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Now, as you notice how he says that, he says, I want you to have fellowship with us, but it's not about you and I hanging out and talking about what we do for work, or you and I hanging out and talking about how the Diamondbacks are doing, or who's going to win the Super Bowl, or how the economy is. He says, I want you to have fellowship with us, but remember this Kononia fellowship, this intimate fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. He's saying, what I want you to do is join me in this fellowship. But where you join me is in a very special place. It'd be a little bit like saying, uh, some, you're reaching out to someone after church and saying, let's go have lunch. And they say, where do you want to go? Well, let's go down and meet at Panera Bread and we'll have lunch together. So you have the place, and so you go to Panera Bread, and there at Panera Bread, you have your time together. What you do at Panera Bread is you eat what they provide. You enjoy their cooking. You might grab one of those cinnamon rolls or those great big cookies they have there in the front. But you are enjoying 
the fellowship together with the food they provide. And when John is writing this, he's saying, I want you to enjoy fellowship with me. But I want you to eat the same food and we will have it at the same place with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. A real special place. A place that, and I'm sure Terry and Cindy, if we would ask you to come up, you could testify to hundreds of times that in a place that you have felt almost totally forgotten and forsaken, God has brought such beautiful fellowship as that, as that spirit was poured out and there amazing things happened. And that is that, that beautiful thing that John was writing to. He was saying, I want you to experience this. Quite a few years ago, I think maybe, tw I was calculating, maybe 28 years ago, there was an, an old pastor, 82 years old. We were building a church in a church planting in, in Ellensburg, Washington. And this pastor, I hardly knew him. I'd went through and taught in his church uh, just south of Kansas City. But he said, I used to be a carpenter and I was praying about what I could do, and I'm 82. He said, I'd just like to come to your church and help you build your church. And one thing I can still do is I can run the chop saw. And we had a lot of brothers all going to build together. So Alvi, it was his name, he came. And when he walked in the door, he probably was about 4'10". And he's just a little teeny guy. And, and yet what he did at 82 years old, and what you'll find interesting, I just made sure I had this right. He's 108 today and still living. And he lives in Garnett, Kansas. But what he did, he walked in our house, and I didn't even know this guy. Whole different culture, plopped down with Deb and I, and every night we had workers coming in. We would have like 50, 75 people, even from the community, helping build this church. It was really cool how God did it. But Alvi was just a, uh, this guy that all I found in his life was he wanted to talk about God. He wanted to talk about his, the Word. He wanted to talk about how precious the Lord is. He, he's never been to Papua New Guinea. He's never been to China. He's never, but he had been to the place that he had met God. And one day I was working up in the forest and we had a break in the building and, and I, he didn't know what to do. So I said, Albie, why don't you get in the pickup with me and we'll go up in the forest. And Deb packed a lunch and we sat on this little log together and we we're eating the lunch. And I turned to Alvi and I, 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 this has stayed with me. My for all these years since then, I said, Alvi, would you share with me your toughest spiritual battle you've ever been involved in in your Christian life? And I thought, wow, where's he going to go? And he knew right away. He says, you know, John, he says, my greatest spiritual battle I've ever been on in my Christian life is just the battle with Alvi. I thought, what? With Alvi? And he said, you would not understand this, but when you're 4'10", and you're a pastor and you walk out of the door of the church, and people, little boys are backing up to you to see if they're bigger than you. <laughs> he said, it doesn't feel very good. Until the time that God did something to me. And that was, he taught me through his word that stature wasn't about physical size, but it was about the power of God working within you. And this is what John is referring to. He's speaking about this special kind of fellowship. It was what the early church found so quickly. Acts chapter 2, 
verses 41 and 42. So then those who had received his word and were baptized that day, they were added about 3,000 souls, and they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. There was the word of God and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayer. And what John was inviting that church to was doing, participating in something that comes in odd places at odd times with unusual people. Their name may never be Alvi, but it's who God places at special places in our lives in the most amazing ways. And God does these amazing things through it. The fourth verse, John writes the, the result of the fellowship. These things we write so that our joy may be made complete. And think about it for a moment like this, uh, that when fellowship is found in Jesus and the joy of the Lord is just there, uh, all of a sudden there is fellowship brings joy. Not just the fact that we have a new friend, it's about the fact that we together have found the greatest friend of all. His name is Jesus. And out of this comes this tremendous joy that John's writing about. And he says, I'm writing this. And this word joy is a chakra, it's the root. And it's just, even the, it's an expression of grace. And John is writing and saying, I want this joy that I'm experiencing to be realized in you as Christians. And you can, you can just in, uh, in, be embraced by God. Romans chapter 1, verses 11 and 12, Paul here writing to a church he could not have fellowship with. The Roman church, he writes, For I long to see you so that I may impart some spiritual gift to you, that you may be established. And he's saying, I want to go to you to bless you first. But I want us to notice what else he says because this is so important in fellowship. And I believe Terry and Cindy and Levi would testify that the power of their message is largely contingent upon what Paul says later in how they are willing to receive others. Notice what Paul says. That is that I may be encouraged together with you while among you each of us while each other's faith, both yours and mine. And Paul is saying, when I go, I want to bless you, but I need your encouragement. I need you too. And I know without these cup, this couple ever needing to stand in front of us, you could share again for hours that you have saw God open up that beautiful Quinonia Fellowship when you've recognized and you have saw them as a brother and a sister just like you. And regardless of what your culture backgrounds are, your life is, they're my brother. And it's the same wherever we are. There is that beautiful thing that Paul was writing, but he says, then here comes that joy that I want, uh, that, that, that I would write, that your joy would be full. And I, I want to put a picture up here, and this came from a last place. We had spent five different years in the country of Hainan, China, in the southern tip. But on this trip, we could not go into the churches and teach anymore. But that was a church standing there. That's a house church in China. But something had happened there. They were going through great persecution. But they said, you can come in and pray with us. We can eat with you. We knew them. We knew their pastor, his wife. They did not get in that picture. They're just in the corner. And there it was. We stood and held hands for 
several hours and we prayed together and we sang together and we got back in a bus to leave and they all stood there and waved goodbye. And I didn't even know, we hardly knew a word of Chinese. It was all in translation. They knew no English, but there had been Konania Fellowship right there. You know, the most amazing thing there too is that uh, we left that scene and within two days, the pastor and his wife went to prison for their faith. But I would guarantee us, just like John, that wherever you, they would go, they would find fellowship with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And notice the completion of this, and, and we're, we're going to wrap this up when he just simply says, I, I'm writing this, because when this comes in your life, when you see Jesus like this, you enjoy this fellowship, your joy is made complete. and 11 says it so beautifully, and David is expressing this as he's found God in all the caves and all of the places that he hid and all the places he ran, ran from his enemy. But he says, you will make known to me the path of life. And in your presence is fullness of joy. And in your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. And you notice with me where the joy is. It's in the presence of the Lord. You see who's giving it? It's the Lord giving it. And you know, when the word of God is speaking like this and John is writing like this and he's saying, I want you to experience this. It's so important to realize this is a gift of God. It's a window. Different times, I'm sure Terry and Cindy would testify of this. God has given you just a little window of fellowship. Maybe it's just right now. Just a little time. And that is the touch of God and the gift of God. That there could be fullness of joy and a strength that you receive that passeth all understanding. Well, this is just a very short, brief introduction to a blessed book that I pray can just be a blessing in everyone's life that's here. That we can together discover God uh, in, in, in other ways, in his beauty, his glory, his magnificence. And as we, we hear from him, and as he speaks to us, I believe we will find ourselves entering deeper into fellowship with him. And that depth of fellowship becomes exceedingly precious because it is God doing the most amazing work. If there's anyone here today, and there probably is, that has never found that fellowship, and you say, I don't even know where to go to find that fellowship with the Father and his Son, it's, it's really, really simple because we just come to him. And the word of God says when we come, he'll never cast us out. He'll never turn us away. And it's the beginning of that beautiful relationship. It's also the place that joy comes. Uh, we were sharing this last night, Terry and Cindy, but I know without you saying it, you can say it next time, we say it whenever, but you can look in the eyes of those dear people and all of a sudden you'll see joy in someone's face you've never met before. And they're glowing for Christ. And they didn't do it, but God did it as he worked in them and through them. And that's what he does in all of our lives too. And that's what he wants to do here. Not only with those who have never found that yet at all with Jesus Christ, but in every one of our lives, he wants us to draw near. He wants to be our friend. He just wants to be that, that one special person that we just allow him to touch us and then we're able to touch him. And amazing things happen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for your faithfulness. We thank you, Lord, for your word. 
Father, we thank you that you are alive today. We feel your touch, Lord. Sometimes it's tender. Sometimes it just catches us. Sometimes it's really overwhelming, Father. But your touch is an amazing, amazing touch. And dear Lord, I pray that uh, your spirit would work among us and just enter within us in such a way that the joy of the Lord will be so evident. The fellowship of the saints, even the mystery of that, that we have even read of, that is hid apart from the Holy Spirit within us could be realized. And that this dear church could just be a place of wonderful fellowship with you, Father, and your Son, Jesus Christ. And this is the place that you dwell. And others can come and just enter into this house and find that oneness of spirit. Be, and eat the same food and drink of the same cup, realizing that you are the one who does amazing things. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.